Stephen. Hello, Stephen. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy 2023. May it be uh, more prosperous and peaceful uh, in all ways than 2022. Remember when 2020 uh, was over and people were saying, I can't wait to put 2020 in my rearview mirror. And then 2021 came up. And we like, then Russia invades Ukraine. Yeah, and, uh... it, ain't, it, ain't, it ain't any better. I'd have to say that 2022 was probably a better year than the previous two. Um, as far as, uh, you know, pu- public disruption of, of, of our lives. But uh, I, I, don't, I don't know if there's such a thing as the normal we used to uh, consider normal ever coming back again. Well, you know, nor- <laughs> what is normal? It's a... Uh... I think, you know, you've hit the nail on the head that uh, what we've done, you know, between 2020, 2021, we really got used to a whole new reality, you know, whether it's the, the working from home and the Zoom world and, uh, uh, you know, everything. I, I was thinking just how much it's changed the other day because, you know, I've, I've now had my my fifth covid shot because you know because i'm i'm old and uh, <laughs> so I, I i get the bivalent just in time for the next uh iteration of uh, the covid mutation to come out that you know they, they say like oh well you know this is for the last two not for the next one but that you know that's a catch-up game we're never going to win but i remember i was thinking about you know, getting my covid shot i was actually in because my wife needs her shot and i was in shoppers drug mart uh just earlier today saying like you know my wife needs a shot does she need to make an appointment says not just come on in roll up your sleeve we got tons of it around here and no one seems to want it i remember standing in a parking lot in in leeside uh getting my son his first covid shot and we lined up for three and a half hours in the sun in a parking lot with probably 800 i think they said there was 800 people in the line to get that first shot and now it's like they can't give it away because there's a, the new normal is either you got it or you don't, or you've got an opinion about it, or you're just tired of it. And, you know, that, that's sort of like saying, I'm tired of going to the dentist. It's like, your teeth don't care that you're tired of going to the dentist. You need to go to the dentist. Uh, but a lot of people just go like, ah, you know, I, I've, I've got other things. I'm not doing that anymore. So th- that reality has changed considerably. So I think we're, we're now used to uh, sort of living with covid which is i've always had an incredibly stupid expression because you don't live with covid you die with covid um and it, it the virus doesn't care about whether or not you're sick of it or not you still need to wear a mask in certain circumstances and you still need to get your shot and it's still out there and it's still it's killing record numbers of people it killed more people in 2022 in canada than it killed in 2021 or in 2020 um, but we're not reporting the numbers anymore. So we've just kind of, we're just whistling through the graveyard thinking, yeah, you know, uh, I don't want to hear about it anymore because I'm tired of it. Well, with the lack of reporting, it takes this from being front of mind to uh, very much back burner. And people wanted to back burner this anyways, because it's unpleasant and it's scary and it's something that's outside of our control and it affects our health. All of these things are things people don't want to think about. This is why we have distractions such as celebrity women wearing see-through dresses has been a new trend, and uh, and Kanye West. Oh, I've, I've, missed, I've missed that trend. Yeah, it's 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 still there. You can still find it. Um, okay. okay, I'm looking um, in the wrong places. Obviously, you know, Elon Musk and Elon uh, Musk and, and and Twitter 
Um, these are all distractions that get people very emotionally engaged and so on, um, because ultimately they really uh, don't mean a lot uh, to us. They're not that important. The And so a lot of attention goes to it because it's comforting. Whereas yeah. things that have significance, like the environment, like dealing with COVID, there's a fatigue that sets in to the point where people start to get uh, cranky when other people bring it up. There is a general acceptance that there is something that, that we've screwed up the environment and that we have to do something. But there is also, you get a sense of a mild pushback um, if you bring it up in conversation, like people are like, oh, I, I don't want to, I don't want to talk about this. It's not something they can fix. They feel it's bigger than them, and so they don't want to talk about it. The, the the level of of poverty in the world, the level of poverty in Canada, um, the injustices that are going on, uh, the war in Ukraine, uh, these are things people do not want to talk about. They because they're sad, and and we've been told that being sad is bad. Um, don't be sad. No, no matter what, don't be sad. Even when there are reasons to be sad. We've never really been taught as a society how to cope with sadness, how to cope with sad news, how to cope with bad news. Um, it, it's, uh, it, it's something we don't talk about. And so we avoid it. And yeah. I mean, I remember on my uh, Twitter, I guess this is probably, this is a function of uh, Elon Musk's changes, but it used to be every day there was an update on war in ukraine that's gone um i'm pretty sure that was him used to get covid updates uh on the news regularly and we don't anymore because i think they've determined that people have hit the saturation point yeah. and we're trying to get people to go back to masking trying to mandate masking again it's you're going to go from the people who were just um cranks before to people who were no, not cranks but who are just fed up with it just because we're spoiled as a society. I mean, we've never had to, to really uh, suck it up like the generations that dealt with World War One, World War Two, yeah. um, all the, the, the shortages and the limits and, and so yeah. on, on on supplies. On or the sugar, Ukrainians on... are going through it right now. Yeah. Yeah. The, we have never had to go through that. So to us, anything that gets in the way of us getting stuff immediately um is you know our immediate gratification is an irritant and so this is this is where we are we're in a world of you know our society we are spoiled we don't know what it's like to accept sacrifice for a greater good we've never had to do it when we did have to do it during covid there was a portion of the uh, of the population that uh, uh, stamped their feet and cried about it and drove their trucks to ottawa um but go beyond that there's a reason people in general, I, I don't see a lot of people masking when I go out now. Uh, very, very rarely do I see any no, masking. I, you know, you see, you know, I, I take the subway pretty regularly and, you know, straw poll, I'd say maybe a third of the people on the subway are masked uh, at anyone. Uh, you know, it, it varies very much, you know, whether it's the business crowd or the student crowd or, you know, the the time of day, you know, really has a big effect on, on whether people are, are masked or not. Uh, and I have to say, I, I sort of, I, you know, I, I sort of judge the situation and, uh, you know, if it's crowded, 
I'll throw in, I, I always have a mask in my pocket. Um, that's one thing I have learned over the, you know, the two and a half years, uh, almost three years of COVID now is uh, always, you know, I now have a mask in every coat that I own and it stays in there. So, uh, you know, it's, uh, I, I'm never, you know, looking around going, oh my God, I don't have a mask. I always have one, but I do look at the crowd. I also will judge, you know, if I'm dealing with a clerk or someone else and if they're masked because I'm Canadian, it's like, it's a courtesy. If they're feeling uncomfortable, then I'll put my mask on because it's only fair to make them comfortable with me having a mask on. Um, you know, some people will never mask. And then, you know, you just have to decide just how germy they are, whether or not you're going to uh, catch uh, any of the the various airborne ailments that are, are flying around right now. We seem to have got through mostly flu season. Um, RSV still is out there. And like I said, COVID is still, you know, a good friend of mine just got it the other day. Um, uh, but, uh, it's, it, it, it is, it is out there, but like you say, we're just not talking about it because it's, it's old news and we're tired of it. I mean, you know, very unfairly, I think, you know, something like residential schools falls into that same category because we were just inundated with it in the news cycle for, for, you know, it was a breaking story. It was on every, it was in every paper. There were two or three, uh, you know, discoveries every week. It was, you know, incredibly sad story yeah. uh, and, and, you know, shameful story in Canadian history. But, you know, now there's sort of the second wave of residential school stories coming out because they're actually starting to put shovels in the ground and doing more, uh, you know, um, radar work. And my sense is people are tired of the story because we were super saturated with it. And a lot of people feel like, what can I do about that? I feel bad about it. Um, you know, it, it, it's a terrible chapter in the in Canadian history. But at the end of the day, aside from being an ally and sympathetic, what can I do about it? Um, and a lot of people are, are again, just just feeling that kind of, you know, I don't want to hear it because I've, I've, I've heard too much of that already. Yeah. It, but there are, there are still those people who, you know, well, still have the fire in their bellies. Unfortunately, they're the wrong kind of people because there was a, a another uh, freedom convoy uh, protest in Toronto last weekend. And uh, there's been a couple of them around town. They were going to have the, uh, the reunion. Yeah. Uh, for the, uh, for the, the, the trucker uh, occupation of, of Ottawa, which kind of fizzled because it turns out that was really lightning in a bottle and it wasn't the result of great organizational skills. It just sort of all happened. And uh, when they actually tried to really organize something, they couldn't organize, you know, like to say a two car funeral because there's so many personalities and not a lot of great thinking in that crowd, but there are still you know, kind of spontaneous groups going up and down the street, yelling about their freedoms and people are looking at going, what are you talking about? Because there's no restrictions, there's no masking mandates. There's you can you can travel, uh, you know, unless you're coming from China, um, you can travel pretty much anywhere you like anymore. So, what freedom exactly are you are you missing at this point? Um, that they they can never explain to you. Well, no, they, they they can't. And when you ask them to in a forum like social media, where you can have a text exchange, uh, they they if they respond at all they respond with a response that is not a response to what you ask um they try to distract and uh you know it's like kids playing hockey on the on the street car and like everybody just you know <laughs> scatters and gets out of the way it, that's yeah. what they try to do um, well they, they seem to have focused on two things now which is um uh drag uh library oh, good story time yeah <laughs> i'm mean, like really is that this is this is 
this is a pressing issue here and you know forget the history of drag i mean every everything from bugs bunny to the three stooges to you know it, it, there's a to going back to shakespeare's time uh you know uh, especially the british the british will put on a dress at the drop of a hat um, as, as some, sometimes as part of their comedy sometimes you know not um <laughs> so you know so that's been one of their things and they've recently seized on uh jordan peterson uh um being being taken to task by the Ontario College of Psychotherapists for behaving in a uh, a manner that breaches their code of ethics, and apparently that is now a big uh, freedom of speech thing, uh, which it isn't. Um, it's a professional ethics thing, uh, but uh, you know, but they're they're grabbing at kind of like, well, we don't have masks anymore. What'll it be? I know, drag. Like, well, the 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 drag. You thing really don't have anything, do you? The drag. I mean, the drag thing is scary in the U.S., where uh, people are showing up with uh, automatic uh, uh, weapons um, yeah. gathered around to intimidate people so that they don't go in to the drag story time. I don't know where this whole idea of drag story time came from and how it became a thing. I can understand how maybe it happened in one place, but how it became a thing, I don't know. Um, but what these these people say that you know kids are being groomed. First of all, that is not grooming. Uh, grooming behavior is very distinct, and it it is not usually done by strangers uh, at a one time event. In fact, it never is. Um, at, at a public one time event. But yeah, it, yeah. It it doesn't. Have, grooming is an is an ongoing process of communication with an individual, usually a family member or somebody trusted. Uh, you know, by the family, uh, and it, it it is a process, and it it doesn't happen with like the the kids that are going to this story time are not kids who would see the dress up as anything sexual at all, because no. it's it's not in their frame of reference, it's not in their hormonal makeup, it's not in their brain work. They just see people dressed up funny. They think it's funny, you know. For in the early days of television, Milton Berle used to dress up as uh, used to dress in drag uh, like every week and he was the most popular television star in america and strangely it didn't inspire a bunch of people to uh to, to start you know becoming uh trans or uh to get uh, molested like it's just this is all just nonsense and whenever a cause starts to go for um think of the children i know they're out of gas because yeah. it, okay, they're think of the children. I, mean, I am thinking of the children. They don't think anything of this. It is not sexual to them. You making it sexual tells me something about problems in your head. Um, but there is nothing sexual about drag. It's just people dressing up. They think it's like Halloween. It it there's nothing to it. There's no grooming involved. And you know the the business with uh, with. Uh, uh, trans people and the issues people claim to have that you know they care talk about kids being butchered by surgeons and the fact is that surgeons aren't butchers and kids aren't undergoing the uh the, the surgical option until they're uh they're not kids anymore they're not considered kids anymore um there's supports yeah. and you know there, there's psychological supports sometimes there are puberty blockers which once you stop taking them, they stop working. Um, so it's not permanent. Um, there's th these kids are not they're, they're not mutilating kids, aren't even operating, giving surgery to kids. But supposedly they care so much about these kids, but they don't seem to care about the fact that kids, uh, trans kids who don't receive supports, commit suicide in huge numbers or 
yeah. are uh, are um, like horribly clinically depressed. Where is the concern about things that have been proven to be true in large enough numbers to be significant, as opposed to these things in in, in somebody's wild imagination that in fact aren't true? It's yeah. just you know, it's just this is not, think of the children is all oh, as soon as they get to that. It's you got nothing. You're out of gas. You're cla- grasping at the last sick straw that you can to try to tug people's emotions and to be able to tell, to say, if somebody opposes what you're saying, to say that that they're they support child abuse or something, which you know it's absurd. Um, and uh, you know, is this well, going to theme? I don't know. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I mean, it's about people who enjoy, you know, for the people who scream the loudest about freedom are the ones who uh, want to control other people's lives the most, whether it's reproductive rights, whether it's uh, trans rights. Um, they're, you know, they're the ones who, who you know, ostensibly are, are going on and on about freedom. But at the end of the day, they want to control other people's rights. And and the, the biggest thing, you know, whether it's the uh, whether it's the uh, the drag uh, li- you know library readings or uh, or Jordan Peterson not being able to say uh, you know uh, harming things to people uh, via, uh, via Twitter and maintain his license as a uh, as a registered and practicing uh, psychotherapist, um, the it's the rage farmers who grab hold of these issues and you know Pierre Polev has been uh, you know he he has been making public statements about uh, about freedom of speech uh, you know which of course you know we don't have in Canada we have freedom of expression and it's it's subject to uh, very sensible limits um you know harmful speech and racist speech and various other things but you know they want to make this about freedom so they they're they're rage farming this on social media and in public statements and trying to get people you know angry about non-issues really because at the end of the day that's all they've got because it you know because frankly they're they're just out of ideas of their own and jordan peterson's another one who i i I really would like to see him fade into the background because the man came to uh attention um when he was claiming that he would be arrested and put in jail for misgendering people which which has never happened anywhere there is no law that would put somebody in jail for misgendering somebody um and so there was no reason that there's no way you would be put in jail but he he grabbed the attention of the as they like to call them low information voters um and listen the, the the portion of society that is the most dangerous at this point in time because of their susceptibility to uh, antisocial ideas are uh, young men, uh, young white men primarily, um, yes. which is a which is you know a tragedy that we should be looking at. Why do so many of these young white men feel uh, disenfranchised and disempowered, and so that they wind up clinging to to nonsense like Jordan Peterson? He's a fraud. He he came to to attention through fraudulent claims. He has continued to say things which are dubious at best. Um, his own choice of uh, choosing to go to Russia to get off of uh, benzos instead of taking the more normal route that we take here in North America, it indicates there's some something's not 100% with this guy's decision making. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's just that I, I, what I see a lot of is people like myself just a few minutes ago 
identifying that we have a problem with primar young, primarily white uh, men. Um, and we identify that and we say, these are the people that support Trump, that support Freedom Caucus or Freedom uh, Convoy, that support Jordan Peterson. But I, I don't see a whole lot of coming together. Like, how do we reach out to them? Because these aren't people who are bad to the bone. Um, they're people who are feeling certain things. And why are we not as sensitive to their feelings as we are to the feelings of other groups who face mass depression or uh, feel disempowered and disenfranchised? Why are we not trying? Why are we writing them off as being uh, what was the term that uh, Hillary Clinton used? Unmentionables? Un uh, no, no that, that's something different. De uh, basket of deplorables. Yeah, deplorables. We're just <laughs> Your unmentionables are, are different. Yeah. We're writing them off as deplorables because we don't yeah. like the views they're gra gravitating towards. But we're not reaching out saying, what's your, what's upsetting you? What, you know, what are you hearing? What are you believing? What are you feeling? What can we do to reach out to you? And I think part of the reason that they are feeling the way they're feeling is that nobody's reaching out to them is that yeah, they well, see outreach to so many other groups and I'm not the, the outreach to the other groups, absolutely worthy, but they're seeing outreach to other groups, but no one's reaching out to them. And that's not whining. That is a legitimate uh, way that a, a significant number of people feel. And why are we not, rather than just turning them into the enemy, why are we not trying to engage them in something um, in a more sensible dialogue, in a way of, hey, what's upsetting you? We we want to treat that as legitimate. We want to understand that even if what you're thinking, uh, your impression of the world is not accurate, your feelings are real. And we want to deal with that. Yeah. And I think a lot of those feelings, I mean, historically, and I, I don't know how you address this, but if you look at the last half of the uh, of the 20th century, it was a time when you know, the 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 God-given right of 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 young white men to rule the earth came mostly to an end. Uh, mm. You know, it, it's it's still going on, but uh, you know, it, it started to be eroded first. You know, in the United States by civil rights. You know, the uh, the the acquisition of uh, of of equal rights. Um, you know, more or less. Um, you know, maybe more or less than more of you know of of black people of uh, you know influx of uh, of asian immigrants who started to do well the united states now you know have their eye on on the latin american mexicans who are coming in you know mm -hmm. stealing our jobs and, and yeah. all the rest of it. and according to them rights and their and the the respect and, and responsibilities that you know white you know young white men uh, who had taken for granted for 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 centuries and then you know then women's rights came along uh and you know further eroded um, you know the uh, you know the, the the princely state of of white men, and you know they feel like they're losing the edge that they've had for 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 hundreds of years, if not you know more, and you know and that's a reality. You know the reality is they enjoyed an incredibly privileged position, you know, as a as a, a now you know. I'll, charitably say middle-aged uh, white man you know, i i've uh, i've had all kinds of of privilege in my life that is just the water that i swim in it's nothing to do with me personally i mean there's the stuff you do personally to better yourself on top of that you know education and working hard and all that other good stuff but you know you start from you know a, a, a privileged position you know with a, the start line is way back for some other people and they've got to you know work, work twice as hard just to get to where you are when you get started but a lot of people are going like, well, 
I miss my privilege. Um, you know, I now have to compete with people. I know doors don't open for me automatically. And, you know, the economy's tougher too. And, you know, and that has nothing to do with being white. You know, everyone suffers uh, during a bad economy. Some people suffer more than others. Uh, but, you know, the privileges that you know, of the post-war era where people could own a house uh, on, on a, a working man's salary, that uh, you know, you you could have a pension, that you could get a hit, you'd you'd own a car. All these things that are now perceived to be out of reach by people who are in their twenties and thirties makes them grumpy, and they want to find a scapegoat. And then once again, if you've got you know right wing politicians who are eager to uh, to leverage that into power, they tell people, you know, it's nothing wrong with you. You know, you're being treated badly by the system that is being run now by, by the liberals, by the leftists, by the trans, by the, by the gays, by the, by the women, by the Mexicans, by the, you know, the black uh, uh, minority groups who are now all the, the tail wagging the dog. And yes, you have every right to feel bad. So they've had a, a couple of generations of that going on, you know, in the American South, it's been going on since, since the civil rights movement, you know, since the thirties, um, where, where white people are being told that it's the, you know, the fault of, of, you know, raising up the black man has meant pushing you down. And you see that being replicated in the psychology all over the place. And that's why you see, you know, that the American Southern states where they got, you know, the red states, they all vote Republican. I mean, they're the poorest states. So the, they have the worst health care. They have the worst education. They have the highest infant and, and maternal mortality. They've got the highest unemployment. And they still vote for 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 for, for the Republicans, um, who are the same ones who are telling them, boy, is your life tough. We're going to make it better. And they never do. So there's this built-in cycle in politics right now that I would say that the, the new conservative party, you know, starting with Mike Harris in Ontario and working its way through to uh, Harper and and now you know sort of Harper on steroids, Pierre Paulev, you know, are telling the dis the people who feel a little disenfranchised that they're a lot disenfranchised, and here's the person whose fault it is. It's you know, and, and they like to say yeah, it's the liberal, the NDP, who are promoting all of these groups. Uh, at your expense and instead of saying like look we're going to make the pie bigger and everyone gets a bigger slice we're going to say no 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 that guy's stealing your slice of pie and it's getting smaller well you know there are colleagues of mine in the same age bracket um very successful in their field and <clears throat> they happen to be uh white and they've told me that uh their work has substantially reduced if not dried up because they're not there because they're white um and because the the uh you know especially in the in the media uh business in who's telling the stories and the stories that are being told uh there's an outreach for more diverse uh backgrounds and nobody begrudges um the opportunities that are being uh, accorded uh, groups that traditionally had been had been you know underrepresented, I'll say. Um, but at the same time, um, you got to put bread on the table, you know, uh, the same as you did before. And so it you're in a place where you are glad that it's opening up, but at the same time, it you know you're now facing what the uh, underrepresented groups were facing before, which is that you 
you know, we're not looking for your, we're not looking for your stories right now. You know, we're not looking to involve you in, in our, in, in our storytelling right now. And so it's, you're not resentful, but at the same time, you're like, what the hell? Um, so it's a, it's a difficult time transition wise. And the thing is, the thing about this rush to expand um, inclusivity, especially in, in media, my concern is that whenever there's a rush towards something, it winds up being treated as a fad and it goes away. Um, people feel yeah, that... It has no sticking power. Yep. None at all. People feel that, oh, well, look, this is being addressed. Okay, it's being addressed. We can move on to other things. And then when nobody's looking, it goes back to the way that it was. Um because people can only have righteous indignation for so long, then it's tiring and it's not fun anymore. And so they go looking for something else. So I get concerned when there is such a rush to, um, to embrace um, diversity at, at the exclusion of including white people in the diversity, just because I'm afraid that once the attention has gone away, people are gonna think this is problem is solved and things are going to go back to the way they were and that the diversity is going to suffer. It's not something that is being uh, approached as uh, this is a, a lot, this is a long-term solution. Like this isn't even a solution. This is the way that it is going to be going forward. Um, it's being treated fetish, like as a fetish in some ways. And that rarely ends well. It rarely ends with progress that sticks and that's the thing that, uh, you know, I look at it and I, you know, I get concerned because I like the idea that we're seeing people of different ethnicities and so on in roles that there is nothing intrinsically about the role that is white. Um, you know, it's like someone says, can a white person play Martin Luther King? Well, no, of course not, because him being black isn't it, it, it's in, it, it's inherent in the story itself. But most characters um their skin color or ethnicity it matters not at all we're just so used to every character being white that when we see characters that aren't white um who maybe before were played by white actors uh it's like well something's gone wrong look look at the people are being replaced it's like you know it's just including it's just a different actor than the actor from the actor before there's nothing that especially this character needs to be white and we're just recognizing that now um, I, I like seeing, uh, different faces in, in media. Um, it, it, you know, but again, I do understand the frustration and more or less the fear of people who are white, who are progressive and support these changes, but who are finding it difficult to make a living. Yeah. And, and, um, you know, un unfortunately the, the, the feeling that pe that uh, that people are being left behind, uh, you know, which in, in this case, you know, it, it's it's certain certain white people who feel that way, and you know, it's cold comfort to them that it is uh, you know a larger societal goal to uh, you know whether it's increasing board representation for women on Bay Street or uh, or in professions or you know like you say you know people being able to see themselves being portrayed in media, um, which you know helps them you know everything from inspires to normalizes to you know you know I'll, you know brings uh brings them uh to to you know more integrated in, into into a society that hasn't always been very welcoming uh, but 
you know, to tell them, well, there's a, a, a slow societal goal that we're trying to achieve here, which is, you know, that there will be more representation of, of uh, minorities in on boards and in public office and in the professions and all the rest, as it should be, that reflects sort of the general makeup of society. In the meantime, it means some people are going to be passed over and left behind. And it's those people who get passed over and left behind who, you know, it's hard to say, look, this is for the greater good because everything is personal and only you can feel your own feelings. If you're the one being left behind, it's like, oh, well, but some deserving person of, you know, a, a diverse candidate got that job and that's that's better for society. In the meantime, you got to pay your bills. Um, so it's kind of hard to be altruistic uh, when it comes down to yourself. So those are the people who I think are out there with this anger, uh, this unfocused, um, anxiety that comes out in democracy protests or, uh, you know, picketing, uh, you know, a, a drag show or, you know, any of these sorts of things that people get themselves all wound up about. It's really not, a, it, you know, if you've been in a lot of relationships, uh, you know, and you have a, a, a disagreement with a significant other, uh, but you realize it's really not about what you're fighting about. It's about a whole bunch of other stuff uh -huh. um, because the fight is just basically the touch point that, that allows you to vent something that's been boiling for a long time. Uh -huh. um, and I think that's sort of the stage we're at in society with a lot of, of, of 20, 30 year old you know, white, white men, because they've had, they've got this feeling at, that's been amplified and encouraged by certain sectors of social media and, and, and celebrities and, uh, and, and, the, and right-wing politicians that they find something to be unhappy about and all of a sudden it all comes out and sometimes it comes out you know as we've seen you know violently yeah it's uh i mean uh, in the united states we have shooters who you know who yes who, and you look at their motivation and say well what made this person take a take a, 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 a an assault rifle into a school what was it? And you look at it and go like, well, that's not that big a deal. You know, that the thing that supposedly set them off. Yeah. Or, you know, everyone just goes, like, we have no idea. You know, he was a, he was a quiet, well-behaved person. Um, but, you know, what you've got is this cumulative, this, this, this miasma of, of disquiet that that's percolating in society and encouraged and you hit the right person for it. And it's a, it's a, a tragic combination because they end up doing things that are incredibly violent and dangerous. Yeah, it's. It, I'm hoping we're going to reach a point in time when cooler heads can start to prevail. Uh, we're not there yet. Um, no, I there's think no in, click. There's no clicks in cooler heads. No, and there, and, and, there's, and there's no votes in in cooler heads either. Unfortunately, well, the polls that I've been reading indicate that uh, Pierre Poilievre is not very popular. Uh, as unpopular as Justin Trudeau is in some polls, uh, Pierre is more unlikable. Um, especially with women and if i if i can you know just be sexist for a second women are much more perceptive and uh, you know they've got him figured out and they don't like him in droves you know almost like two-thirds of, of women polled just go like no never never in a million years well he's he's the kind of guy that uh you got fixed up on a date with um you know and, and yeah. uh, thought a lot of himself and yep high school prom very, very slick um, yeah, and wound up just being a creep. Um, yeah, sorry that or go to the prom with your cousin. It's like oh, <laughs> should have gone with the cousin. <laughs> should have gone with the cousin. Um, but I, I'm hoping that uh, you know the that we get to a point where 
politics are less divisive. Um, I, I don't know if we're going, if that's going to happen in our lifetime uh, at this point in time. But, you know, the thing is that uh, the way we are now, society sometimes turns on a dime. Um, and, you know, fashions change in, in politics, too. So, I mean, we saw in the U.S. during the midterms, a lot of Americans saying that to these these election deniers and and uh, big MAGA mouthpieces, no, um, we're not interested in what you're selling. Uh, you know, there were obviously people who were like, we're, we'd prefer cooler heads than than you fire brands. So there, you know, that showed up. You know, then you get the election of the Speaker of the House in, in Congress, and you see that uh, a small handful of uh, far right uh, ideologues. Uh, gained a tremendous amount of control. So, you know, it's, they're not getting the message that America was sending. But then again, like you point out, people in red states will always vote Republican because their great, great grandpappy voted Republican and everyone since then. Um, so I don't, in short, I don't know what's going to get better. Um, but we can do our best to sort of comment on it as it's happening and make people aware. And speaking of making people aware, we should talk a little bit about the changes proposed uh, or that are happening to Ontario's health care provision. Just announced this morning. Yeah. Yes. Uh, uh, it's we know that the conservatives in this province, well, in general, uh, have been pushing for a two tier health care system, a system that uh, allows uh, people to bypass uh, OHIP and so on and just go and buy services that they can afford. So they avoid lineups, you know, they avoid lines for surgery and so on, uh, or for, for uh, treatment. And uh, the Conservatives have been trying to introduce that market reform um, to healthcare for quite a while. And so what do yeah. they do? They, uh, they, they underfund public healthcare. They, they engineer pull, a crisis. Yeah, yeah, they engineer a crisis and say, well, somebody's got to do something about this crisis. Here's the solution. It's and, clearly not working. Yeah, it's clear. Yeah, you know, you you it it's it's like strangling somebody and saying, clearly, you're not taking in breath. Um, it's it's the same thing. The uh they've been underfunding uh and cutting health care for years. And now, especially because of COVID, the system has reached a breaking point. Uh it's a people are exhausted. Uh people are you know, healthcare professionals are leaving the 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 field. Um, and so the conservatives say, well, you see, something's wrong now. Well, here's our solution, as opposed to the solution being we're going to restore funding to get rid of these wait lists, to reduce the strain and stress on healthcare professionals. No, the solution is let's go to private, uh, private uh, solutions. And let's say, I mean, my own doctor, uh, my own doctor's office, he's a, a, a private businessman. In the sense that he, op he and the, his partner, medical partners, they pay for the rent on their their office and and all, for all their supplies and so on. Um, and they, instead of billing me, they bill the government. But they're still a private enterprise, uh, you know. In a sense, they're not they're not wholly owned by the government. So there is some of that private uh, private sector already in our healthcare. But the question is. Do, what's going to happen when we get more of that? When uh, current healthcare professionals who are exhausted and tired of the working in an underfunded system decide to go to the private system, and we don't have 
you know, the best people get to leave and the not best people stay. And we get new people who are inexperienced because they're entering the field. The quality of public health care declines. I don't see how there anybody can deny that this will be what's happening. No. And, you know, the, the problem has been the, you know, the number of doctors we have. I mean, we have, you know, we have um, hospitals with with empty wings and empty hospital beds. And it's not because, you know, as you keep saying, well, there aren't enough beds. Well, there's plenty of beds. There aren't enough nurses and nurse practitioners and doctors to look after the patients you put it in those beds. So just switching around the table, saying, okay, we're going to open, open new facilities isn't doesn't change the number of doctors, nurses, nurse practitioners, and support staff that there is in the pool, like you say, because what they're going to do is they're going to migrate. All you're doing is shuffling where people work. You're not actually making, as we said, no, we're not making the pie any bigger here. It's uh, We're not adding to it. And at the moment, we already have about 900 independent health facilities in Ontario. And these are things like uh, Life Labs that does blood testing and mm -hmm. x-ray clinics. And, and Shouldice Hospital that does yeah. hernia. And, yeah, and Shouldice was, was, was an interesting example because they were, kind of, they were grandfathered in. They weren't created um as a as a standalone and and they do bill under ohip but they uh, this is the thing they're talking about upselling you know you're going to have now the hospital experience as opposed to you know the, the regular sort of thing where you know you get a nicer room because it's private you know and uh, you know you get to stay overnight for you know instead of day surgery it's like oh no stay here it's going to be more like a sheraton and uh, but you pay for all of that and that is outside of ohip you, you know, for the operation that you have. So you go to the Schultz Clinic, you get your hernia operation, that is still OHIP covered. Um, and they pay the same rate as, you know, getting it done at any other hospital. But if, uh, but Schultz will then charge you for additional care, which makes the experience better. And, you know, maybe, you know, you get more attention. Uh, you're not part of sort of the, the conveyor belt of, of, of hernia operations that happens in other places. Um, and that's the extra amount. So, you know, if you're a rich person, you get to have a better experience, possibly with better outcomes because you're getting more constant care that you're paying for, um, you know, and on-call doctors and all the rest. But, you know, they're now talking about doing that for, um, for uh, cataract surgery. They're talking about uh, what they call minimally invasive gynecological surgeries. Now, you know, ask any woman if if any of those things are actually minimally invasive, yeah. uh, and 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 you'll you'll get a couple hours of talk. Um, plastic surgery, uh, and um, and um, they're they're talking about in two thousand twenty four, doing hip and knee replacements at private centers. Now that's that is not minor surgery. That is major surgery. I yeah. mean, it, it, it's, it's common surgery. Science. It's common yeah. surgery and it's done very frequently and with a minimal of side effects usually. Um, mm. But it is still, it's a major joint in your body that takes uh, pressure uh, every time you move. Uh, so it is serious. And they're also talking about uh, endoscopies, is, uh, the, you know, when they put the Which camera end? in your private end. Um, oh, okay. That end. Okay. Yeah. Um, I've, I've, I've had them in both end. Neither of them are, are, are particularly great. Thankfully, I was asleep. Um, but they, they're talking about farming that out too. And, uh, you know, on one hand... Um, well, they're trying does... to get the backlog because of the yeah. knee and hip replacements because we have an aging population uh, and a limited uh, group of doctors who who do that kind of thing because it is very specialized surgery. And yes, they can do it fast and you can have great outcomes, but uh, and but there is a waiting list for that sort of thing. So I can see why they've targeted those things. But the question always is, why haven't they tried to make the system better from within than farming it out? 
And the answer is always profit uh, because you know the, the universal health care, to the extent that we have universal health care, it, it has been a target of the conservatives. And it's been a target of big U.S. Um, um, companies that want to come into Canada as a virgin market to set up shop. Uh, you know, just to give an idea of how much money is involved here. Uh, a, um, um, a distant relative of mine, uh, unfortunately distant, married into uh, into an American family, who, and the father uh, was the person who brought HMOs to one of the northern American states, and uh, he did so well from doing that that he was able to write a check for half a billion dollars as an endowment to a university. Um, that's the kind of money we're talking about. And, you know, and, and I'm sure it didn't affect his lifestyle at all. I mean, any of the rest of us, you know, take half a billion dollars out of us and, you know, it, it's going to make a dent in our, uh, in our purchasing power. But, uh, that is how much money is involved in the United States, um, in, in healthcare. So those people are looking at Canada and going like, wow, if we can get our foot in the door here, there is going to be so much money that we can make. And of course, conservatives are notorious for going on the boards of these things the second that they retire from politics. You know, they set the bed for an opportunity, whether it was cannabis or all these other things that they were dead set against while they were in, in office. Um, as soon as they come in, they start to work all of these sorts of things and find plumb positions on the boards of all of these, you know, uh, you know, Mike Harris, Chartwell, uh, you know, long, long-term age homes, mm -hmm. which, you know, magically got, you know, a lot of it was deregulated magically. And, uh, you know, they made tons and tons and tons of money. Healthcare is, is exactly the same sort of thing. And, you know, we're, we're kidding ourselves if we don't think that Americans have been lobbying various Canadian levels of government long and hard about being able to bring paid for services into this country. Well, um, we'll have to just keep our eye. And it out. seems, it seems to be happening. It's, it's, it's going to happen. Like it, it, the, the premier said that uh, this is happening and it's permanent. Now, yep. no government can really say anything's permanent. Um, any government can come in subsequently and roll things back and change things. Um, but for the, the length of time that conservatives are in power, this in Ontario, this is permanent. And the truth is that it'd be very difficult once uh, these clinics are established, it'd be very difficult to, to, to stop them. But maybe in the future, they can stop it from getting any bigger. Stop it from yeah, getting what, any wider. Well, one of the, the political problems is that uh, at the federal level, you know, there's a Canada Health Act, which supposedly tries to guarantee, uh, you know, a, a uniform level of service across Canada for healthcare, even though, you know, healthcare is provincial. Um, the, you know, the, the skunk at the picnic is, is Quebec because they have quietly been allowed to expand into this kind of private healthcare for, for decades now. And, you know, whether it's plastic surgery, all kinds of other things. Um, and the federal government now is in the awkward position of having to say no uh, to Ontario, which I don't think they're going to do, um, while they've been allowing Quebec to do the same thing. And Quebec, you know, you, you don't want to upset Quebec politically, especially, you know, in, in a minority situation with, uh, with a, you know, another election, who knows when. Uh, so you're not going to, I don't think you're going to see a lot of... Uh, uh, pushback except for maybe verbal from the federal government on this and the mm -hmm. other interesting thing i'm finding is you know you're you're getting the most support for this um privatization of healthcare from from people who say oh you know it, it means i'm going to get you know better health care 
No, it doesn't, because you're not the people he's talking about. Uh, it's, it's like I was I was tweeting this out earlier today that, you know, in 90, 1995, uh, when I was running as a candidate, I was uh, knocking on doors. It was the year that Mike Harris got elected and the uh, conservatives with the common sense revolution were just starting to get traction. And I remember going through a low income subsidized housing complex, you know, you know looking for votes. And I figured, well, you know, this is going to be pretty easy because, you know, Mike Harris has been going on and on about welfare cheats and uh -huh. frauds. And every door I knocked on, people who were in receipt of welfare benefits were in favor of Mike Harris because he's going to clean up the system. So there's going to be more money left over for the honest you know, people on welfare like me. And it's <laughs> like, boy, have you got that wrong? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. They're, a, they're a shoot them all, let God start them out kind of thing. You are the enemy. And so all these people who are some of the loudest you know, uh, useful idiots who are touting a two-tier healthcare system because they think it's going to benefit them, they're the ones who are going to suffer the most. And and they're just not smart enough to figure this out. Well, uh, if it wasn't for useful idiots, um, uh, Where would a, lot we of, be? <laughs> a lot of political movements uh, would have, uh, you know, died in the crib. Um, yeah. All right. We, uh, we've filled an hour. Um we're uh, going to continue to keep doing these shows as often as we can um, and uh, keeping an eye on the world. And if you guys like what we're doing, then uh, send uh, a message on if you're on Twitter to uh, Stephen Lawton's at Stephen Lawton's, which is S-T-E-P-H-E-N-L-A-U-T-E-N-S um, and let them know that you like what we're doing. And um uh, also feel free to suggest topics that uh, you'd like us to address anything else you want to say Stephen? before we say goodbye? oh we, did, we didn't even talk about megan and harry but uh, maybe next time believe me they'll <laughs> still be in the news yes they will there'll <laughs> be volume volume two of spare yeah <laughs> and uh as we wait for that we will say good night thank you Stephen. always a pleasure great chatting with you happy new year and that's Stephen lawton's i'm Stephen kersner and you've been listening to Stephen and Stephen.